A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Ted Lasso Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to learning how to fight forward, not back. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage for Season 3 of Apple TV Plus's original series, Ted Lasso. In this podcast, we'll be sharing our favorite laugh-out-loud moments before running down our three favorite plot points from Episode 7, The Strings That Bind Us. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of April. Quick housekeeping for early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds. If you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings help our standings in the Premier Leagues, uh, I mean the podcast rankings, plus they give John and I warm fuzzies. A quick reminder that for this season of Ted Lasso, we're doing short form recaps, but to make these podcasts a bit more fun, we're asking for your help to break down these episodes. Send in your favorite laugh out loud moments as well as comments on any of the plot lines we haven't covered. We typically record our Ted Lasso podcasts on Thursdays, and the episodes are usually available on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m., so you've got plenty of time to get your feedback to us before we record. Send emails to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server and we can include those as well. Check the link in the show notes below if you want to get in on that conversation. All right, John. Uh, first, before we get into our hot takes, just thank you everyone for your patience while we get this podcast out. Busy life schedules delayed us a little bit, but this podcast, I think, is your favorite so far, John? That's shocking. Well, I don't know if it's shocking, but I, wow. I love this episode. Really? I watched it. I must have been like in the right mood for it. I turned it on. I'm belly laughing. I'm crying at the Sam and, and Ola scene. I'm I it just ever it hit every note right for me. It nice. just was was peak Ted Lasso for me. Perfect. That's great. How did yeah, you the, feel about it? The, the physical comedy was uh, par excellence. <laughs> right. It was, it was really right. good. Um, yeah, I guess unlike Roy, I am happy about what this show is doing to me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm happy about what it's doing to Trent Krim for sure. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, the writers continue to seem like they're having a lot of fun with the script and the season. And I think. I, I don't we haven't had time to dig into the Easter eggs and all the, the little references, but it just feels like the writers are infusing the whole season with lots of interesting callbacks and 
other things. Um, I was wondering, uh, another thing that sort of looms large for me about this episode is Isaac's kick a Chekhovian kick? Like, what is up with that powerful leg? Is he going to score a goal from uh, midfield or something? I he don't know. Could. He yeah. could. Yeah. And then I think lastly, it's important to note that they touched on some real world politics in this episode. We got some mm-hmm. great feedback from our listeners, and there was some great discussion on the Discord about this as well. But we'll talk about that when we uh, get into the episode proper and the feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And they've sort of you know, gone adjacent to politics before. I mean, they had that Trump joke a couple episodes ago. You know, it's not like it's not like they've ever been, you know, anti going to politics, but this right. was definitely the most on point for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. You want to read us into the synopsis? Sure. Nate pursues Jade awkwardly. After a pep talk from his family, he finally asks her on a date and they have a great time. Ted and Beard introduce the team to Total Football, which Ted has decided to implement over the course of a week. Ted and Beard learn everyone at the local pub is upset about their performance, so Ted invites the fan trio to training. Over several days, Ted helps the team learn to work together and trust each other. At the end of the week, they have a match. After losing terribly during the first half, Jamie has an idea of how to use total football more effectively, and the team performs much better. Even Trent Krim is won over. Rebecca helps Keely realize she's being love-bombed by Jack after Jack announces their relationship to the office, but after some mature conversations, Jack agrees to back off. With his father coming to visit, Sam checks in with his thriving restaurant and learns that the British Homeland Secretary is trying to send away refugees from his home country. He takes to Twitter, which causes backlash both online and as vandalism to his store. Sam's father, Ola, comforts him and gives him guidance before cooking for the Greyhounds, who have surprised Sam by restoring the store. Okay, John, well, what was the scene that busted you up the most? The one that really made me belly laugh was yeah. the kick, was Isaac's kick in oh, really? Higgins' window. Uh-huh. And Higgins just, just, just being shot. <laughs> it just caught me so off guard, uh-huh. and I was just laughing so hard. And there were many belly laughs throughout this episode, but this was the right. one that really... I think it was early on, and it caught me off guard, and it just got me. Nice. Yeah, and the hot tea, hot tea. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Higgins just fumbles something, it's so funny. Mm, his little, <laughs> yeah. when he has his yeah. gag reflex. <laughs> yep. So how about you? What's your favorite laugh out loud moment? That's it, baby. Let's go. Coach Beard. That was good. <laughs> the, that was when, good well, Will, the kit man, dressed up as Coach Beard. Again, caught me off guard. They were... Um, the camera was always off. They used the camera really effectively. They yeah. hidden Coach Beard when uh, Roy and uh, um, Ted are sort of in the center of the frame. And normally they have them framed up as threes, right? So Ted in the middle mm-hmm. and Roy and, and Beard on either side. But they didn't this time. And then they snap to the right. And there's Will with the tape on his face. I was dying. I was absolutely oh, dying. Yeah. That was super good. It was super awesome. good. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I showed my wife that scene because uh-huh. she had not watched the episode yet. And I just wanted to show her like one funny bit. Right. And uh, she didn't realize that that wasn't Beard. Oh. I showed her really quick. <laughs> nice. And then we watched it later. She goes, is that the yeah. kit man? <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's on his desk later with his feet up, <laughs> that was yep. so good. Yep. They played Get it out of my really nice. Get out of my chair. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's get into our top threes. Yes, um, I think you should go first. 
I am going to go with Jeremy, Baz, and Paul are three fellows from the pub. Uh, they don't get a lot of love uh, throughout the season at all or sort of attention. There are these great background mm-hmm. characters. But I was reading around on the internet a little bit, and then and somebody else posted this somewhere out in the world. And I was like, oh, I was looking for their names, actually, to make sure I had their names right. And somebody said that this is a Greek chorus. And I was like, oh, my God, that's true. They're providing commentary and context for what we're seeing happening on the screen. And in this episode, to actually have them involved in watching the practice while they're learning total football, I thought was a really great way to bring them in and then to give us a point of view and a context of what they were, um, what's going on with the team. So rather than just having this random point of view, third party sort of thing, right. you've got uh, Jeremy, Baz, and Paul actively watching and engaging. And so I think, I forget who it was. Is it Paul who had the string? And he's like, I think going, so. <laughs> going to all of the so. other people in the stands going, hey, you want to tie up? You want to tie up? Just how weird the, you know, the, the string tying thing is. Right. By having him do that, it really brings home to us how weird it actually is. And so the use, the sort of narrative structure use of these three as this Greek chorus, I thought is a, a really brilliant choice. And I'm, and I'm enjoying to see that we're getting them a little bit more than we normally do. Yeah. And you could have easily had the commentators, you know, the, the people on TV being the, the Greek chorus, but mm-hmm. instead you have it, these ordinary three people that really let you, it, it's sort of a, an audience placement, right? Exactly. Is this, uh, you know, this is a ridiculous situation. I was invited to practice and they're puking and they're, and yeah. they're got strings <laughs> tied to their ding-dongs, as Ted says. Uh, hard not to, hard not to uh, know where your teammate is when you got a string to your ding-dong. Right, right. Yeah, the the fact that the pu this is some of the best puking I've ever seen, and we spent most of our lives in pubs. So <laughs> <laughs> that was good. good stuff. Yeah. All right. What's your number one? Mine was Trent's development. Mm-hmm. Just watching him go from curious skeptic to interested investigator to fanboy. Right yeah, by the end, when yeah. he comes bursting through, <laughs> that was the very door. unexpected. Right. I know, right? He, I, I was like, is this the same character? Has he had a mental break? It's, it, was, uh, it was very fascinating to see, and I really loved seeing him sort of let go and lose his inhibitions and just be so enamored with the lasso way yeah. that he is ready to, ready to just gush about it. By the way, I watched season one, episode one oh, wow. uh, la- yesterday because my aunt is visiting, and mm. I was showing her the show. I said, you know, we're covering this. And that is how Rebecca refers to Ted's methods. Oh, the lasso way. The press conference. Mm-hmm. She says, we have a new way, and that's the lasso way. Wow. Interesting. So nice callback then to, to bring Trent. Yep. And yep. I like that they brought Trent along the entire run. He's, he's yes. always been there. Um, and in this season, we finally get to have a lot more with him. And I think that's great. Well, he's the one who gives Ted such a hard time in the first episode, too. He goes, is this a joke? I mean, and and also Rebecca basically stops the press conference because of what he said and is, and <laughs> right. says the lasso way. So that name came out because Trent was being a jerk to Ted. Right. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, when he came running down the corridor, I was like, "What the hell is this? What what happened to Krent <laughs> or Krent?" I thought he was going to come in and go. A man is dead. Yeah, something. <laughs> I think somebody on our Discord, I forget who it was, uh, said that they broke Trent Krim, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah they did. They <laughs> broke his brain, and he's just." It super looks like it was Tabernerus. Tiber- yes, right, and and the exuberance because Trent is usually so flat affected, right? Yeah. He's so yeah. smooth and calm waters. And in this moment, he's just completely unhinged. Yep. And it must have been for the actor, I would guess it was a lot of fun to be able to cut loose like that. How would Trent Krim, you know, explode? We've seen him in the pub. We've seen him right. at uh, Thunderdong drinking uh, <laughs> vanilla vodka. But, you know, and that's like partying and having a groove and a good time. This is just raw exuberance at like right. turned up to 11. Right. Yeah. So, now, great to see. Great to see. Yeah. What was your number two, David? Well, it's going to be total football again this week. Uh, nice. The so so you decided again to wrap up the whole episode into one moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the the carrying forward of it ac- across the is natural, right? It's it's a normal thing. You know, we we introduced it last one. We've got to use it in this one, and obviously, it's going to be with us through the the rest of it. The fact that it's described as a philosophy and not just a style of play and just right. a mechanical thing, I, I really appreciated that sort of insight. And again, going back to Ted's, um, his, uh, his, what is it? He invented it for himself. Like it came to him right. naturally. He he didn't read some book or have right. it. It was it was out of his own brain. And then it's like, oh, there is already a thing in existence, so now we can take that. But for Ted, it's alive. It's real uh, right. in a way that it's not if you just read it. So I, I just like that, and I like that they're bringing that into the, the episode via Total Football, that, that act of discovery, that act of finding truth within yourself, uh, even though that truth may already exist in the world, and then that resonates I like that idea, and I like that they're bringing it in through Total Football, because the show is about football right. uh, as much as it is about anything else. So Beard's presentation was superb, all the little graphics and moving around. They've done a couple of fun things like that last episode with uh, Ted's hallucinations. Some people on the Discord were also talking about uh, Johan Cruyff. Uh, I hope I've <laughs> got that correctly. And uh, Ajax, which is the you know Ajax, the, the national team of... Um, of the Netherlands. And so uh, really great real world callbacks. And for football fans, that's just great material and, and great real world stuff. Um, I, you know, so like total football is it's encompassing a lot because then we have Jamie stepping up and that he's got, you know, this place in the world that right. he's, uh, this is, this is this evolution of, of him as a character and as a player giving him this space within total football to figure things out. And uh, I, yeah, I just, the whole thing, football is life, but a beautiful life is total football. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> bringing in Danny. So yeah, it was almost um, like an MLM or a timeshare presentation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was totally like that. It was hilarious. And just the, the whole thing with the, the rope and Roy laughing uh, there was, and then the final scene for me, which just really made my heart warm, was when uh, Will is walking through the locker room and collecting up the water bottles. And the great, uh, there's music playing in the background, and it's the theme song for a World War II movie called The Great Escape. 
which is a very famous movie about a bunch of prisoners who dig tunnels uh, underneath mm-hmm. uh, uh, to escape from a, a Nazi um, prison of war camp. And it's that movie is all about teamwork and coming together and having common purpose. And so we see that play out uh, as the point of view of Will walking through collecting the water bottles and each player he passes does something to further the action. And so we really feel that total football is not just um, a concept, but they're actually starting to live it. And I think we even get it totally at the end when they're uh, fixing up the restaurant, right? That is total football. It's a philosophy. Right. It's his way of life. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm really cool. I don't, I didn't know anything about total football prior Me to either. watching this, yeah. this, I don't know I, anything about football, so. Right. I know basics. <laughs> I mean, I played a little bit when I was a kid and, sure. you know, I've watched here and there some premier league and world cup stuff. So I've got some basic familiarity, but yeah, knew nothing about total football beforehand. And, uh, and just enjoying that they found something interesting and innovative to bring into this episode to not only illuminate football for us, but to be a catalyst for the team, both personally Absolutely. and professionally. Yeah, and it, it makes total sense. I wonder if they, I wonder if they had the idea to use total football at the beginning, right? Because it does seem to fit so well into this Ted Lasso it does, doesn't vibe. It? Yeah, but I, I really want to see an interview where they say we were always leading to this, or no, we just discovered this and it seemed to be the vibe. Which happens a lot with a lot of shows, is that they discover something uh, while they're working on it. I think yeah. the Breaking yeah. Bad, Better Call Saul, the the Villa Gang were right. a little bit famous for that. They would innovate as they were going, as they would discover something in right. the show that would lead to another discovery. And then they were just following their belly buttons as opposed to a, a pre-written script. Right. All right. What's your number two, John? My number two, I'm going to add a little bit to it, but I put Rebecca giving wisdom to Keely, but I'm also going to be adding uh, the implementation of that wisdom because Rebecca giving wisdom to Keely was very respectful and was not projecting rather than say, you know, I was, I was in a relationship that involved infidelity. And so Mm -hmm. you should assume that if you're being love bomb, she says, Hey, here's a behavior it could mean something and it could not. And mm-hmm. all I'm saying to you is watch what is happening, you know, mm-hmm. be aware of your surroundings. And I think that that is very mature, fair and more looking to protect her friend than to sort of vindicate what she went through. Nice. Yeah. That yeah, was really I, great to see. Plus, plus it was just funny to see her go, okay, we'll take two bottles of wine and one for yourself. <laughs> right. And she's rich. Right. She's not, I, I don't know if right. she's as rich as Jack, but she right. is, you know, she's moneyed and, uh, yeah. So for her to do that, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. It was more to teach her a lesson than to actually yeah. get something out of it. But yeah, I think that's yeah. an interesting point. There's, um, there's a way to offer advice, which is not finger waggy or telling somebody else what they mm-hmm. should do based on your experience, right. but it sharing your experience and saying, hey, I went through this thing. This is what my perspective was. This is what my circumstances was. Take what you will from it. Right. And I offer this in goodwill and I offer this in, in terms of sharing and wanting to be your friend and your ally and whatnot, but I'm not telling you what to do. You've got to make your choice, but right. I'm just, te- I'm, here's, here's an experience that I had. And if it illuminates something for for you, great. And if if it, if it's not lined up, great. And then yeah, that totally avoids having people, you know, like saying you should, right? You know, should is a very you should do this, you should do that, right? 
It's not as it's not fun, <laughs> right? <laughs> when you exactly. get that in your face a lot. Yeah, and so the second part of what I wanted to talk about with this was sort of the implementation of the advice because Keeley could have freaked out, said, you know, back off, you know, I'm not, I'm done with this, or or really started being like trying to bait her into proving infidelity, like be really sneaky about it, and instead she basically directly says. I don't want any more big presents. You know, mm-hmm. I want to, I want a chance to be good to you and was very direct about her feelings. And instead of, of jumping to conclusions, instead of, instead of hinting around what she wanted, she said, you know, this is making me uncomfortable. I'd right. like to change something in our relationship. And Jack was receptive of it. I mean, there was something she said that made me a little worried about what might be to come, which was, mm-hmm. I can be jealous. Mm-hmm. I that, got that too. You know, when someone says that, it's usually an understatement, and I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure that it's going to be the same thing with this one. Uh, and, and I'm not looking forward to seeing where that goes. But other than that, I thought it was a very mature interaction, and I love seeing these characters grow. You know, beyond you know, Keely with Jamie in the first season, just a total like high school relationship kind of thing, right? So yeah, I'm I'm really liking this plot line. I I like the way that this whole advice thing went and how the the love bombing resolved itself. Right. Yeah. It. Uh, I I caught that line too, and it scared me. I was like, no, yeah. no, please don't go into this. You know, weird yeah. territory because it is weird territory. Jack yes. has a lot of power. She's you know, uh, get out of murder rich. I think as right. she says. Uh, yeah. And. Keely really has her heart on the on her line on the line as well as her livelihood on the line here. Right. And Jack has a kind of power over her from that financial uh side as an investor, her right. chief investor. So I'm I'm really nervous uh, and I don't know where this plot line is going to go. This whole season, I have I there's no way I could have predicted. I thought we were going to be into the Nate and Ted conflict. You know, in the Darth Vader, uh, Palpat- yeah. Emperor Palpatine of it all, but we're going in places I have no idea, and I really don't know where this Keely jackpot line is going to go. But yeah, as you say, being mature and um, uh, straightforward about it is that's that's a sign of maturity. Saying, yes. "Hey, I am. You're making me uncomfortable. You know, my needs. I need something uh, to change." How right. can we change that? And right. that is a very mature, emotionally mature thing to do. Right. So what was your number three? Uh, it's got to be Jade and Nate. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm capitalizing on my winnings here. Uh, again, I don't know where this plot line is going. There's no way I would have predicted this uh, at the top of the season. She's totally, in my opinion, she is totally smitten with him. I think she's head over heels in love. She Again, she's a person who has this sort of Sphinx-like uh, um, flat mm. affect. Um, the it was really interesting to see Nate take that beat and go into the bathroom, and it was, a, you know, we were. I think all of us were bracing. Okay, here it comes. Here comes the self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Here comes the spitting, the slapping, whatever yep. the violence. Yep. You know, his the violence against himself, and he didn't. He stopped. He stopped himself. Yep. And he pulled himself up and out of it, just like Ted was able to stop his uh, panic attack, right? They're getting stronger. The characters are getting stronger. So um, I have, <laughs> yeah, no idea where this is going to go. I think it's interesting that they showed his dad in a n- different light with the map, doing this thing that's really romantic and um, 
uh, the ability to express his feelings, even though that his feet, you know, he may be a person who's not good at expressing their emotions. And so he made this beautiful map for his, um, <laughs> for his, you know, now wife. And it goes into that symbology thing again. Same with the belief sign. They tore down the belief sign and Ted's like, it's not about the sign. It's right. not about the box that Nate made for Jade. It's about the intention and the feeling and expressing that and, and walking right. it and living it. Right. And so the fact that he took all this time to build the box and then it gets crushed in this sort of comic moment was wonderful because he didn't need it. And he realizes well, that he didn't need it. And, and it was good for him because it looked like a serial killer made that box. <laughs> yes. When I, little, it looked like little uh, marriage people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when I yeah. was looking at that, I was like, oh, my God, don't give this to her. <laughs> Just leave that at home, buddy. Actually, burn it. Burn it. Right. But I guess he doesn't need to now. It's, yeah. uh, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. So. Yeah. I, I saw his drawings. I was like, this is not the map, buddy. This is not the same thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was cute. But I cheered when... He got the courage to ask her out, and and they just looked so romantic when they were having uh, dinner together. And he's all nervous, and the and the running gag of like, well, how can you tell when someone likes you? You can't. Uh, yeah, that's pretty that good. Was, that's it was pretty, pretty good. funny. And then and so he's got to live on the edge of that emotional precipice. Am I going to be rejected? Am I going to feel? Um, am I going to feel the sting of uh, of being vulnerable and then not having the other person reciprocate? And um, yeah, it's it's coming through. And so I really love the actress who's playing Jade and some of the looks that she's giving. Uh, so I'm fingers crossed, very hopeful that this is not going to go dark and this is going to be something that brings Nate around and brings Nate and Ted back together in some collegiate way i don't think nate's ever nate can't go back now he's he's the no. coach of one of the biggest premier league teams top of the heap mm -hmm. um and so nate you know i want to see nate step into his own and be his own man in that regard uh and not feel the imposter syndrome um so i'm hoping that this is something that carries that forward yeah something that i'll say about this and i mentioned this in the discord is i don't think nate actually is enamored with Jade's personality or anything about her, but her looks <laughs> and the fact that she didn't like him. Let me ask you something, David. Has right. he ever once asked her a question about herself besides go on a date with me or can I have a table? We, she had, they had two very long conversations. One in the, do we window? know the content of them? It doesn't matter. It does. What no. if he was talking about himself the whole time? They, uh, yeah, I see. I don't think that's not the show. That's you know, that's not the show that they're making. I don't think. I think that's a lot I don't of. Know. All right. I don't know. I think Nate is still very insecure, and because of that, you know, he he may have grown a little bit, but he didn't change overnight. He's still insecure, and he needs to you know puff himself up to try to look impressive for Jade. I could see him just talking about his job and talking about how great. You I don't know, think she would have gone. Going. I don't think she suffers fools lightly, even though Derek, her manager at the restaurant, is a complete. I don't know. She could she could be lovesick, whereas he could be, you know, I, I, I really think that he wanted her because he couldn't have her, which is a gross thing. And yeah, I maybe yeah. I just hate Nate. You know, maybe I just hate. <laughs> maybe Nate. that's it. Yeah, but okay. I, all right. All I right. Just, wait, wait. I just, I, I don't like this because I honestly, here's what I don't want people to take away from this: is if a woman tells you to, <laughs> to, to, to fuck off, basically, you know, keep going. No, don't mm -hmm. do that. Don't do mm -hmm. that. Leave her alone. 
he stalked her basically. He kept going back to her place of work and going and going and going, uh, even though she was giving him all the signals of get out. And uh, it's it's very weird. It's very weird if it works out. I think. All right. Well, they came for me when I uh, in the. The Last of Us, when I had my take on Joel. I, I need the Lorehound mob to come with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure there will be people. In this. I'm sure that people will disagree with me on this, but I mm-hmm. also have seen a lot of people on my side on the Discord because nah. I think Nate is still Nate is still a person with a lot of insecurities and a lot of issues. Sure, yeah. We yeah. W- with being kind honestly you know he has issues with being kind and putting others before himself well uh to be seen i am a hundred percent in jade and nate's corner here and uh i think it's gonna work out i think that i think the 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 tone of the show uh this season is is about healing and and coming coming around and uh yeah i think jade is gonna be something that catalyzes Nate, and then that they're going to have something together. So, or maybe she'll find out that he learned an intimate detail about a friend and leaked it to the press for personal gain, and she'll be like, "Wow, that's super gross, and you should be ashamed." Mm. <laughs> okay, all right. Because he, let's let's make something clear here too. Nate has yet to suffer a single consequence from that, mm-hmm. and that was something that was a really intimate wrong. Mm-hmm. That was a really you know knife in the heart moment. And I, I would like to see, and I think that the world would like to see a little bit of consequence for Nate. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Honestly, you look on Twitter and you actually <laughs> see people saying, I don't buy this Nate Redemption arc if that's where they're going. Right. Because he's yet to, fo- he's yet to have a consequence. He's yet to learn much. I really think that it's, it's yeah, it's, I, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that if that's where they're going. But I don't think that's, that's where they're going. Here's here's where I'm coming down on this. So far, this show, these writers have earned my trust, and I am going to go where they go. I'm going to let them take me where they want to take me. Sure, and I'm not worried about it. I guess in that say I'm not. I don't want to. Oh, I'm not worried. That. I th- I don't think they're going to redeem him. That's where I'm standing. I think that I trust these writers to have them. But that's not this show. This show sure is about is. redemption. This show is about growth. So let me ask you this, though, David. What is the biggest lesson Ted has needed to learn since day one? Uh, boy, I don't know. That's a good. Well, you obviously have a, a, a an agenda I do have with an this answer question. <laughs> Your answer, yes, please, please. Uh, my answer, my answer would be how to let people go. Uh huh. Sure. How yeah, to not need to save everybody and save every relationship you have. Mm-hmm. I think that that's where we're going with Nate. I think mm-hmm. that we're going to learn, you know, I'm not responsible as Ted Lasso. I'm not responsible to fix Nate. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible to fix that relationship. I don't think they've been building that this season, though. I mean, we've only had one interaction between them. And uh, Ted seems to be fine not chasing Nate's shadow. Or, not, you know, not his shadow, but, you know, chasing that, you know, that relationship. He's focused on the team right now. But maybe we have the same lesson to learn as Ted Lasso, which is... We don't need to fix every character, guys. He can just be kind of an asshole till the end. Mm, and that's okay with me. I'm yeah. okay with learning that, you know, just because somebody was the underdog at first doesn't mean that they're a great dude. You know, I again, I watched episode one yesterday. What's the first thing? What's the first thing that Nate does? He's, he, he yells at Ted. Ted's because he yells, he yells at Ted. At, right. 
very angrily, very rudely, and very angrily. He doesn't say, "Hey, you need to," you know. It's it's he. And the first time he gets to address the team, he screams at them and he makes fun of them and he mocks them for very personal details. I sure. I just don't think that Nate has a. I don't think that there's. You a don't think Nate is redeemable. Nate. No, you don't I think don't Nate think is he, redeemable. I don't think he he wants to be redeemed. I don't think he wants to be redeemed, and you have to want it to do it. And I think that. But he how? Is but look at the look at the intimate family. Look at the family relationship with his sister, with his mom, with I guess that's his niece. Um, yeah, he's got issues like all of us do, and sometimes those surface issues can seem very thick and impenetrable, and they're old habits that are hard to break. But this show is about redemption, about finding yourself, finding those truths that, um, you know, we as people are better together when we're authentic and honest with each other and we work through our issues. We're, we're going to have issues. That's the, you know, we, we have a happy three, four, you know, well, mo- some of us get to have a happy childhood. And then we go through some trauma when our when our brains get flooded with hormones and uh, you know things happen with our siblings and our families or whatever. And then we spend a, a lot of time trying to fix our adult lives. Um, and that is a, a very normal storyline. And I think that everything that they've showed us of Nate outside of the Palpatine Vader you know setup is that Nate is a person who's struggling with his demons. And, and he just uh, stalks a woman at a restaurant trying to do her job. He didn't stalk her. He said hi a couple of times. He didn't couple go there every day. Mm. I think you're being oversensitive about this. <laughs> she went out and was like looking around like, where is he every day? Like, you know, what's, you know, she was, she was being receptive to it. She did not kick him out. She didn't tell him, no, get out of here and don't ever come back. She ne- she didn't lead him on, but she didn't block him either, or she didn't even she didn't uh, express her uh, uncom discomfort. Let's just be honest. I just want to watch Roy punch him in the face. Oh man, this Not is really. rough. Not this really. Is rough. I just I just okay. I would like to see Nate have to actually confront what he did because sure. what sure. he did. You know, you can say you know we can complain about all the little microaggressions, but what he did to Ted. Uh-huh. was truly, truly a vile thing. Sure. Like, you know, airing someone's mental health is sure. absolutely vile. Sure. And I, I think that... But who's, who's, that- whose job is it to, to deal with that? It's Ted. And Ted has forgiven him. Ted has moved. Well, I think it's Nate's job to fix it. It's Nate's job to fix that relationship. Sure, but Ted, Ted isn't holding it. And it's for Nate to resolve for himself so that he can get better. And then when he gets, and part of that is is coming to 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 Ted and saying, "I did you wrong, you know, you know, I'm sorry." Mm. Ted has already moved past it, as far as I can tell. I mean, in the I'll, elevator, he's like, "Hey, how you doing? You know, good to see you." I mean, he was, I think, he was honest and genuine in that. I think, I think he fights anger with kindness. I think that's just who he is. I think. Well, yeah, he fights hurt. forward, right? Yeah, right. Right. So, and and that's great. And I'm glad that we're seeing Ted develop. And you know, I'm glad that Nate's developing. But I don't, I don't think he's put in the work, and I don't think the showrunners have put in the work. <laughs> okay. To have him redeemed in my, I, eyes. I will give you that that they've um, they've jumped some bits. You know, that, that we could have seen a little mm-hmm. bit more. I get that, but uh, for me, it's not not working. I, I, right. I'm okay with it all. Right in. Lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, let's let's uh let's jump up. We're gonna we're gonna flag this conversation and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna keep it running. So, uh, what's your number three? My number three is Sam and Ola's embrace mm. and Sam's sort of submission to fatherly love. Yeah, I was I was literally oh, crying at this point. Yeah, I, I when this happened, I just couldn't handle it. I mean, you know, you and I are both dads. Yep. Imagine our kids as adults, you mm-hmm. know, going through a hard time and yeah. just coming home to us like that. You know, mm-hmm. it just it just really got me right in the feels. Uh, and, and I love how moved Ola was at mm. the fact that the restaurant was named after him. Yeah, that was a great detail. I missed that. Uh, somebody on the discord actually had to point that out to me. Uh, I didn't make the connection in the moment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's super sweet. Yeah. And, and he goes to cook for them. You know, mm-hmm. the, the team, I'm going to add this in the team fixing the restaurant, just this yeah. whole, the reaction to the hate against Sam was really mm-hmm. beautiful. And I loved it. I'm tearing up now. Yeah. <laughs> As a parent, I think I, I I I don't know that I was consciously doing that. I might start consciously doing this, but like when I go to pick up uh at from after school or you know when when she's been away all day or or something, I I try to make that reconnecting moment something, you know, to to mm-hmm. to reestablish that bond and and to let her know, you know, that she's got my love because I think that is a very special moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start tearing up now too. I can feel I it know, in my throat. I know. Of of that person in the world, no matter what's going on, there's one person in the world who's on your side, not on your side. I, I don't want to say it that way, but that's just offering love. That there's yeah. just love there. Yeah. You know, unconditional love. Out. That's yeah. that's why it's home. It's unconditional love. Right. right. Yeah. By the you way, can, you can be you can be a jerk and uh, out your friend's mental health, but you can still go home and be loved by your family. Well, he's not. Though. I mean, his mom, his mom and sister love him. His dad yeah, that's is just saying. Well, his dad is all hell. <laughs> well, his dad is uh, who girl knows talk. What? That was so. That was so rude. Come on. But uh, uh, okay, what? Well, let's look at generations and generations of of men and male behavior that need you know that we're changing. You and I are changing it, right? I mean, mm, you know, my dad never said go have your girl talk. Just so you know. <laughs> You can't do a one to one, man. You got to look at this. As, as I know it's it's. Uh, give give him a little break. Give him a little break. Yeah, We're changing. I we are seeing. Let's expect people to reevaluate their standards as they go. Oof, but oof, oof. but oh no, I'm asking for personal <laughs> growth in Ted Lasso. God help me. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not. This isn't about uh, Nate's dad, anyway. This is getting to be a punchy podcast. This is very, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a it was absolutely beautiful, uh, uh, and to to bring him in and and the the physical presence of the actor and everything that he brought with that role was was gorgeous. And yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It was a really touching moment. Do you know where we've seen him before? I, I know I've seen him before. Oh, he was wasn't he? Wasn't he in Game of Thrones? He was. He was. Because I couldn't remember, and I looked it up. He was the guy who tried to, the guy in Karth, who tried to convince Daenerys to marry him. Right. And then she locked him in the vault. Right. That was him. Nonso Anoisi plays uh, Ted's, uh, Ted's dad. Yeah. He's he's a wonderful actor. I, I hope we get to oh, see yeah. a little bit more of him. He was great. I feel like he hasn't been in a lot of big stuff and mm-hmm. hoping that he gets more roles because he was really a, a pleasure to watch here. 
Yeah. Uh, I have to look up his IMDb in a, in a little bit. Okay, cool. Well, um, should we take a little break and then we can come back? We got a ton of feedback, including a voicemail. Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. John, our mailbag is bursting this week. I'm very happy, folks. I think folks are finally coming around. We got done. We rolled off of Mandalorian. We've got a little break. People are catching up. Uh, it's a lot of streaming is weird, right? Because it's not always mm-hmm. appointment television and you you pick it up when you can. We're all very busy in life these days. And so right. um, uh, I'm really happy to see uh, some folks are, are getting into the show. First up is Georgia, who used the contact form at the lorehounds.com. Hi, guys. I've been following your coverage of Rings of Power and The Last of Us, and I'm just now listening to your conversations on the new season of Ted Lasso. Wanted to offer my take on the situation with Rebecca and the comment from the psychic that she will be a mother. In season one, episode nine, there's a heart-rending scene when Rupert tells Rebecca that he is having a child with Bex. She says, though uh he uh even though he didn't want kids and he says in so many words that he he didn't want them with her we don't know the whole story behind what's going on here but from the scene we get the sense that rebecca wanted kids but didn't end up having them because rupert said he didn't want any now he's gone and still able to have kids as a man whereas she's older and most likely unable to have them i'm surprised that neither of you pointed out that when rebecca was poking around on the dutchman's boat She found a room that is clearly for a child. I predict uh, she is going to get together with this man and that she's going to become a mother figure through, though, being a caring parent, uh, through being a caring parent to this child. The storyline would offer a more realistic portrayal of grief. That is something real is lost, but that a new vision for a good life can be found through that grief. Thanks for what you do. Really enjoy your banter. Best, Georgia. Well, you got a lot of banter this week, Georgia. John, oh, yeah. what do you think about uh, Georgia's prediction and Rebecca becoming a mother, uh, not through a biological process, but through uh, a legal and social process? I could see that with someone else. I don't think she's ever going to find that floating Dutchman again. You ever uh-huh. you ever watch SpongeBob, the Flying Dutchman? That's uh, I do I'm, not. I'm thinking about. I'm okay. Past my generation. Right. Again. Somebody <laughs> else will. Somebody in the audience will laugh at that joke. Maybe. Yes. But yeah, no. This I, I think the floating Dutchman is gone. I don't uh-huh. think we're going to see him again. I think that was on purpose. I think they stressed even this episode. I didn't get his name. I don't know where he is. He's on a boat. You know, it's I I, I don't think that we're going to see him again. And I hope not because then that would be how did she find him? You know, maybe, well I guess she has money for a private investigator, but still. Still, still, uh, I I do like this idea though of becoming a mother in a non traditional way. I think right. that that's right. Maybe maybe she and Ted will end up together, and she'll be a step. Oh no! I hope. <laughs> I know. Do I that. know. Don't I saw that. people at the beginning of the season yeah, saying, "Oh, they're they might be a good couple in the end." No. I don't think they're going there. I don't Just think leave. Going there. You know, we don't. Uh, yeah, workplace romances. I mean, we've got Jack and yeah. Keely, obviously, yeah. but that's that's a little bit different. And we had yeah. Sam and Rebecca last season. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I did clock the um, walking into the child's room and and seeing that. And as a parent, I, you know, totally it, it, it didn't look dissimilar from my child's room <laughs> in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I did clock that, and I put it more to uh, the Dutchman's character uh, as being a caring person, a person who has a, a, a caretaker core central part of his life right now. Um, and I totally missed the idea that Rebecca could be a parent through a, a non-biological means, and I think that's a good call. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. So thank you, Georgia. Next up, we've got a voicemail from Elizabeth. She used the voicemail feature over at our website, lorehounds.com. It's pretty easy to use. Just click the button and you can just record straight at your computer. Um, So let's listen to that now. Hi, guys. My name's Elizabeth. Uh, I listen to your Ted Lasso podcast and I love it. Uh, And apologies, you might hear my baby daughter making noise in the background. Um, But I'm calling in about your most recent episode um, sunflowers, uh, which I loved. And I especially loved that you guys flagged the pillow fight scene, which uh, was also one of my top moments. Um, not just because it was delightful and the guys needed to, you know, get some aggression out, but also because it was a callback to, uh, season one. I think it was make Rebecca great again. Um, and someone else may have already flagged this, but, uh, in when the team is watching Iron Giant, um, Ted before that has offered them uh, movie night or pillow fight, and they chose movie night. And he says something like, "Well, all right, but uh, you guys are going to choose pillow fight once, and we're never going to watch a movie again." Um, so I love that they finally, even without Ted there, um, chose to have a pillow fight and do this like very uh, childlike, delightful Ted Lasso thing as a team. So it was like fun and funny. And also I think kind of was another way of showing how much of an influence Ted has had on the team over the past three years. Um, love your podcast. Uh, my daughter does too. Uh, she's saying hi. Um, and yeah, excited to listen to the rest of the episodes this season. All right, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your voicemail. Um, no apology necessary. Uh, please don't apologize for your kid being a kid. Uh, You've probably I, heard some kid in this <laughs> yes, recording because exactly. my son has found his voice and now he just happy squeals all the time. Oh, there it is. There, there it is. is. We'll leave that one in. And my daughter just went stomping across the, the house upstairs. So I don't know that Mike would have picked up that, but children are, are part of our lives. And so I, I'm glad that your daughter is enjoying the show as well. John, what did you think about uh, Elizabeth's take on the pillow fight? I thought I, it's a great callback. I, I yes. completely missed that. Yes, that is great. I forgot totally about the uh, the option, the option of the movie. And the, the giant movie, right? That's such a hard, you know, it's just a movie that goes right to your feels. And that's such a Ted Lasso yes. thing to have wa- put in front of the team. Right. The Iron Giant, perfect movie for Ted Lasso. But yeah. I mean, this whole thing of, well, you pick Pillow Fight one time and you'll never want to watch a movie again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I think he was right. I think the team had a great time. And it's funny because you see all these options being given by the teammates. Like, let's go to a live sex show. Right. Let's yeah. go to this, you know, all these all these adult things. And and uh, with Sam going, can we just have a movie night? And no, you right. can't because you can have a movie night or a pillow night. Anyway, yeah, right. Keep going. Right. And so they they have a pillow fight and they yeah. that's what they needed. That is yeah. what they needed. They needed their inner child. Mm. And uh, it's interesting to compare that with this episode where Sam sort of falls back into his inner child for a minute to heal. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's maybe that's part of the themes of this season is, you know, don't be afraid to get back in touch with your inner child so that you can you can process what you're going through right now. Right. Well, thanks, Elizabeth, for uh, the voicemail. Hope to hear from you again and give your best uh, give our best to your daughter. All right, next up is Tabernaris. I don't know how to, I can't pronounce this. Whatever you want. 
<laughs> Tebber, ah, now I'm stuck. It's happening. All right. Uh, on the Discord, uh, they say, I was re-watching Sunflowers with my wife the other day and playing, paying more attention to the details. I have to applaud the show for how they handled the scene with Colin and Trent at the bar. Totally agree with you on this. There were a bunch of little details that were just perfect when the bartender hands Colin his beer and calls him sweetie. Colin has uh, clearly has clearly pretty well rehearsed a way to handle Trent's shocking arrival. Can I get a drink for my work colleague? Oh, wait, what's the name of the show? Oh, my mistake. I'm sorry. This is the wrong place. Like some folks in the writer's room either did their research or had some experiences. They couldn't have made the whole thing a caricature and they didn't. They handled it all with sensitivity and genuine care. John? Yeah, I agree. I think that it was done really tastefully. I think that it it felt authentic. It felt like a modern, you know, it wasn't just, I think everyone will hate me. It was, I think they will approve of me, but it's a weird thing in my industry and I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. And that I think made it feel a lot more authentic. Right. And also Trent sharing his experience where it wasn't identical. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he actually, it's interesting because it was a smaller group of people it was coming out to, but it was so much more of a dramatic effect on Trent's life that it was mm-hmm. sort of like, let me show you how, even when it's something that's much more painful, it does work out in the end if you're authentic to yourself. Right. Yeah. I think what we can infer from Trent's uh, story was that he was married in a, he was in a heterosexual relationship with a child. Uh, no, wait, let me rephrase that. He was in a heterosexual yeah, relationship not, with an adult one. and they had children uh, as a result of that relationship. Sorry for that uh, strange construction there. Um, and that he had to, you know, repeatedly deal with this and, and, and get around to, he had to do a lot of work to get, get things uh, yeah. uh, around to a place where, where it's good now. And that yeah. was, that was nice. That was realistic. And I think that's, an important thing is is writers' rooms need to look like society. Writers' rooms can't be little boxes of just a select few people with certain socioeconomic commonalities. We need people from different walks of life, from different sexualities, different genders, different experiences, different places in the world. Because when we want shows, what do we want? We want uh, a we want quality shows that entertain us and uh, uh, give us different interesting points of view on life. And we can have right. these conversations like you and I are having. Um, and that comes from having a rich uh, and diverse writer's room. And so right. I think Tabernus here is is spot on, is, is that this writer's room is a great group of people who are savvy and have a lot of perspective. And they can they could be ham-fisted about a lot of stuff, but they're not. They're being very... Um, uh, they're being very deft with their, with their skills here. Right. Yeah. Excellent job all around on the writing. All right. Uh, Tabernaris actually had another comment, which I thought was interesting. So I scooped it off the discord as well about Rebecca and the psychic. Uh, they quote the psychic several times here, uh, from the, the actual, you know, uh, uh, seeing ceremony thing. Uh, the psychic says it's in your hand, an object. It's very special. It's a green matchbook. A green matchbook. How lovely. Shite in nining armor. And then lastly, thunder and lightning and you. And you're upside down and you're drenched. But you're safe. You will have a family. You're going to be a mother. 
So the commentary here is everyone I've uh, heard talk about this seems to be assuming it means she'll get pregnant, which is how she interprets it too, even seeing a doctor. Lots of ways a family can form, though. So after she went ass over tea kettle off the bridge into the water, but was safely helped out by a single dad of a girl young enough to get boo-boo kissed after her dad applies the Band-Aid, a single dad who clearly caught some feelings, haha, I see, uh, that seems like the likeliest path now, right? No? The only part I can't figure out is the thunder and lightning. John, we kind of mm. touched on this already. Do you have any uh, uh, more thoughts? But I think it's important. Yeah, we all jump to pregnancy as a pathway to uh, familyhood and, and parenthood. But that is a only a percentage. You know, there's a huge. There's so many other ways to become a parent. Uh, it's not just through biological means. Sure. Yeah. I mean, basically the same thing I said before. Uh-huh. I didn't. I didn't really consider it. I don't want the Dutchman to come back. Okay. But I could see another non-traditional, you know, another right. non-traditional path for Rebecca. Right. Uh, this thunder and lightning thing, we're definitely going to have to put a pin in that because uh, we have not yeah. seen the evidence of that yet. We've had... Sh- That's coming. Yeah, That's we've had coming. green matchbook, uh, night and in shnining in armor, nining sh- I can't say it now, and uh, <laughs> being wet but <laughs> safe. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Doove71 and Sheridan on the Discord and even Daniel M. by email, all confirming that Jamie's accent is a strong Mancunian accent from Manchester. Um, Sheridan comments, as a Brit, I can confirm that Jamie's accent is pure, unadulterated Mancunian. And like you, I love it. Watching Ted Lasso with the whole family, we think Jamie's mannerisms and strength of accent are based so much on Liam Gallagher from the Manchester band Oasis. Funny, uh, funny tie-in. I watched episode one yesterday, uh-huh. and the coach that Rebecca fires at the beginning. You know, she says, "I can see your testicles," and yes. when she sees both, she goes, "Well, there they are, Liam and Noel, but perhaps not an Oasis." Good point. <laughs> very, very classic. That's great. The the writers are really using the whole of the buffalo, right? They're using yeah, every part. Yeah, they're re- yeah. they're recycling everything. It's I, I don't know how you do that across multiple seasons when the because you know, the writers' room stands up, they do their work, and then they kind of disband and go off in, in other directions. And so to mm-hmm. maintain that that core and to to pull these pullbacks, I don't know. Do you binge watch the season before you go into the next? I don't know how they do it, but they're doing it wonderfully. Yeah. All right. We have a, a bunch of emails here. Uh, we've got uh, Alan W., who's a new Patreon subscriber, wrote in a huge email. And we're going to get into this stuff, this real world stuff about Sam. And something that I didn't say, I, for, I kind of forgot when we were talking about parenthood and stuff with Sam's um, father was that Sam's reaction to, you know, when he was coming in late. Uh, being so upset, it was even more heartbreaking because Sam is such a gentle, soulful creature. Right, right. And for him to have to have suffered that vile racism sort of directed back at him, uh, and that trap that he felt being in of being like, I, you know, I'm damned if I do and I, I damned if I don't, and that's just such a frustrating place. For Sam to have to experience that, it was extra. Uh, it was just a lot of extra feels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Right. If if Isaac is coming in yelling, that's yeah. one thing. Right. If Sam's coming in yelling, watch out. Yeah. All right. So here we go. This is a, a bit long, but a lot of good context. Uh, so Alan W. starts off, 
um, uh, with uh, usuals about being around since Rings of Power. Thank you, Alan. Uh, so so glad to have you as a subscriber now. And um, he's got his first point regarding the barbecue sauce. So this is not about the real world politics, but uh, he says that this was a fairly subtle but brilliant plot point back in season one. Early on, Ted gets a care package from home with some barbecue sauce. He says reminds him of home. Later in the season, there is that wonderful scene where he plays darts with Rupert and he talks about the Walt Whitman quote, quote, be curious, not judgmental, before revealing he played darts as a teenager with his father. As he throws the last dart, he says, barbecue sauce, linking the darts to the feeling of being at home with his family. I think it's fair to say that the major theme of season two is fatherhood and barbecue sauce line was a (laughs) first bit of setup for the exploration of Ted's relationship with his father and home. All right. uh, Quick thoughts on that before we get into the Sam stuff. Love it. And uh, yeah, the, the whole, you know, hitting the hitting the dart and saying barbecue sauce. I, I forgot about that. And then <laughs> yeah, it actually popped so up good. on my Twitter feed mm-hmm. yesterday, I think it was. And it just said, you know, this, this is the hottest Ted Lasso has ever been. Somebody said <laughs> when he just he, he hits the dart bullseye and he goes barbecue sauce. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. I forgot about that too. So great, great poll. Thank you again. Yeah. I'm, I'm John, I just have to say, I just quick tangent. I I just love our, our listeners and our community that we have. They're so insightful and pulling up all these, you know, callbacks and things like that. So it's, it's really wonderful. So thank you all for, for all of it. Anyway, carrying on, um, Alan wanted to talk about the Sam plot line in the current episode and give some context for it. He says, I live in the UK, and while I'm actually not all that interested in football that isn't based around AFC Richmond, it was very clearly to me that the episode was commenting on some of the incidents of football clashing with politics over the last few years. As far as I can tell, the Sam plot line is based on two figures within UK football. Marcus Rashford is a fairly young Manchester United player of Jamaican descent who's done some pretty incredible work campaigning for on food poverty in the UK. He's worked with charities to help ensure children are given meals at school and wrote an open letter to the British government back during the pandemic, which was credited for actively changing government policy on the issue. He was, however, criticized, mostly on Twitter at the time, by certain conservative Tory politicians for seemingly stepping out of his place, quote unquote, as a Mm. footballer. Then during the Euro 2020 tournament, actually held in 2021 because of the pandemic, he missed a penalty for the England team. He was flooded with racist hate online as a result. This was capped by one Tory MP who tweeted that Marcus uh, Rashford, quote, should have spent more time perfecting his game and less playing politics, close quote. I believe the line in the show was shut up and dribble, which is something Laura Ingram said about LeBron James in the NBA. The idea of powerful figures suggesting black sportsmen stay out of politics is the same, though. Right. So we got a lot more to go here. Do you have anything you want to jump in really quickly here? I, I love seeing these real world parallels, especially uh-huh. when they're they're not directly on point, but they're close enough where you can draw those parallels. Yeah. Right. All right. So Daniel M. wrote in about the same issue. Thanks, Daniel. And um, his email covered a lot of the same ground, but there was this one point that he made that I wanted to, to pull and interweave into the middle of, of Alan's email. Uh, Daniel says, but this also deeply stems from an issue of class. Most footballers are working class kids who now get paid an obscene amount of money as the sport is one of the few means of social mobility in the country. Rashford came from a single parent home, lived in poverty in a rough part of Manchester, 
and is now not only one of the best footballers in the country, but a political symbol who took on the Tories and is often labeled as Prime Minister Rashford. The most privately educated, eaten, raised, and vile Tories will try to keep their thumb on anyone trying to challenge them, and footballers are often seen as easy targets to score points on social media because they earn so much. The, Mm -hmm. quote, stick to football or, quote, maybe you should be concerned more about football is such a slimy retort as it suggests working class lads and ladies aren't allowed to talk about serious matters as they're all dummies who came from comprehensive schools who should just stay in their lane. When in actual fact, the country might not be in a state of rapid decline if they were in charge instead. All right. So some pointed commentary from Daniel there about uh, any quick thoughts before we wrap up Alan's email, because we've got a couple more paragraphs to go. Yeah, I don't know why people are entitled to a political opinion until they get famous and then they're not anymore. I just (laughs) exactly I (laughs) I never understood that. It's just people don't like when, you know, famous other famous people use their voices to say things they disagree with. Right. It's a challenge. It's a power challenge, right? Right, I've got power. You've got power. And now I'm going to try and dominate you and push you back down because you're you have a voice and you have a following and you have a platform that you could uh, counteract what I'm saying. All right, back to Alan's email. Um, The second thing that the episode could be referencing actually happened a month or two ago. The the episode is actually so close to what happened that I actually wonder whether the episode was written just before the season aired or it's just really good analysis of the political climate in the UK currently. Back in March this year, Gary uh, Leinkar, a former football and host of Match of the Day, tweeted a criticism of the Rwanda plan and of Suella Braveman. He called it cruel. This caused an enormous backlash from the Tory government. They demanded that he be removed from the BBC due to having broken unspoken impartiality rules. He was taken off a single episode of Match of the Day, but thankfully, due to widespread public support, he was quickly reinstated. The parallels between prominent figures within football taking a stand against draconian immigration policies is obvious. I find it interesting that Ted Lasso is actually taking a stance on a very current and charged topic within British politics. It feels refreshing to me to have a show that is so focused on positivity and acceptance, actually making comment on the cruelty of right-wing rhetoric. It was heartbreaking to see uh, the deeply kind and principled Sam subject to racist abuse. It was also unfortunately rang true to me to see his activism that was empowering in the last season used against him. I was surprised to see the show tackle an active political issue, but felt it was honest and was taken straight from the headlines over the last few years to not address and explore the line between football, activism, and politics would ultimately have felt more dishonest to me. Hmm. Thanks again, guys. Keep up the work. Alan. Alan, thank you for the email. <laughs> John, I ha- I can't tell you how long his email. I gutted so much of it. No, uh, I, I, and it was great takes all around and good editing. It was. Too. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thank you, Alan. We hope to hear from you again in the future. John, thoughts? I think that's right. I think that especially the last point you made, Alan, which is, you know, we you know we don't really talk politics on this podcast and uh but yeah this, we try to stick is, to entertainment and sure and be a refuge outside of the political sure uh, turbulence that's going on sure and it's not like trying to avoid taking a stance no. or anything it's more like hey let's go have our entertainment but this yeah. is something where the the show kind of calls for it right is it's part of the setting it's part of the setting that you're telling the story in to not include it would feel less realistic and feel a little emptier so right. I, I think that's right. And I think that sort of taking the Ted Lasso lessons of, you know, love each other and, you know, be curious, not judgmental and 
and bringing those to a higher level, like, you know, you know, a macro level is something that we haven't seen the show do so much before, but is very interesting now that we're seeing them do that. Yeah, like uh, Chabernus uh, said uh, earlier, the writers handling what could be very awkward topics and they, you know, very easily fumbled and made more of a bigger mess. They're hand- handling it very deftly and with a lot of impact and um, a lot of messaging that's within the show and what the show is about. So, yeah, this real world thing, we see the real world impact on, or we see the show impact on Sam. We see Sam and his father and, and the support of, of what parents can do uh, for us as people when we're dealing with challenges. All of it so well wrapped up and, and figuring out how, what does Ola say, how to fight forward and not backward. Like, just really beautiful sentiment. And like both Daniel and uh, Alan said, taking these issues where there's a power imbalance and using this platform as a way to address that imbalance. Again, just very, very inspired and very, very, very well done. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I can't find the right words for it. There's so much going on. Um, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really nice to see them doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent job. And thank you so much for the context of what's actually happening in Britain. You know, something I, I think is... I love our Brit listeners. Yes, yes. Something that I, I've noticed, though, is I've heard, I've read some articles where they say Ted Lasso hasn't really gotten huge in England. You know, Interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's liked, but it's not super popular. It's right. not the mega hit that it is in the States. And, uh, you know, so saying that I don't, you know, it's, it's tricky for them to sort of hit a hot button issue like that. It might be a hot button issue there, but I think that the fact that it is in Britain, and this is a primarily American audience, allows people to remove themselves one degree from it mm-hmm. and then make it feel less personal. And so maybe that's why they they chose to focus on that rather than sure they made a Trump joke in one episode, but they right. didn't really dive deeply into American politics there. Yeah, interesting. And and now that this this would be something that would definitely attract more attention from UK and other Commonwealth right. countries who are more familiar with these politics. Because this feels like a very hot political topic. Uh, oh yeah, I'm that, sure that crosses a bunch of issues in terms of political stances, refugee problems, and refugee problems are problems because of other deeper systemic issues in the world. And so, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough one all around. And for right. them to 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 bring that into the show, yeah, really, you could get into um, you could get into some controversy very quickly. Yes, uh, if if it's not handled right. So, okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for writing in. Uh, the Discord has been uh, lots of chatter there. There was even more it's comments. popping off, as the Zoomers say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that I couldn't, you know, there's no way we would have been able to finish this episode. Again, thank you for your patience as we, uh, John and I, deal with our real-world lives. Um, we are going to be recording again this week for episode eight. I have no idea what's going to happen in eight. I'm looking forward to it. Please Head over to our website, uh, lorehounds.com, and you can use the contact form or the voicemail the feature there. Thelorehounds.com. Goodness, David. Um, or you can send us an email to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Uh, or, yeah, jump on our Discord link in the show notes, and I will do my best to um, scrape up any comments there. John, um, you want to give a thanks to our patrons? Sure. We are super ecstatic to thank our patrons who are growing faster than we can keep up with them. 
Yes, and they're, we're growing for a reason, which we should comment as well. So let's 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 thank our our lore masters, and then let's talk about yes. our hundred and eleventh birthday. It's my hundred and eleventh birthday. It's eleven first. That's what you got. Eleven first. So it's your eleven first birthday. Uh, so these are our lore master patrons. They are a ten dollar tier. They are top tier. They keep the gears of Lorehound Central moving. They are truly the bread and butter of this operation. And we love Making them me hungry. Dearly. We love them dearly. Yeah, well, at our 111st birthday celebration, maybe you'll get some food. <laughs> so here's the list of lore masters. Samarjan, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter O.H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, and DJ Miwa. Ooh, DJ wow. Miwa in the house. Yeah. We yeah, he just, yes, we did. Great to have you over here. That is a list that is getting longer uh, by the day, and we hope it continues to grow because we are on a membership drive. Uh, we would like to have at least 100 members by the end of our one-year anniversary podcasting. Uh, say our, our birthday is June 11th, or July 11th, pardon. Mm-hmm. pardon. Yep. And we want to uh, hit that next level so we can do some more stuff and hopefully improve our production uh, capabilities. Um, and if we can get 100 members by the end of July... Not only will we be happy because that's a real tipping, that would be a real tipping point for us, but we're also going to send everybody a thank you gift. I'm designing something now. Uh, I think it'll be very cool. It'll go back to our second age uh, logo days and we'd send it to everybody in the mail who is a member at the end of July as a thank you for joining us on this, what has been a really incredible and wild journey, Uh, something that we're both very much having a lot of fun with. And uh, are just very grateful to all of you because without you, we'd just be talking into the void. Right. Absolutely. I'm I'm excited. And you were showing me some mock-ups of the yes. the prize. Let's the say. design the yeah. prize. And uh, I thought it looked great. I thought it okay. was a lot of fun. It was, it felt retro to me. You know, yeah. retro with Lorehounds <laughs> that's only existed for about a year. Nice. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> so we're only a year in, and this is wild. Speaking of which, we should get into some programming notes to wrap this up. Um, we're at the tail end of April here. We've got some new things coming online. I just did our programming for the month of May. And John, we've done it again. <laughs> we've boxed ourselves into We're like Britney Spears. <laughs> Stop us. Oops, I did it again. again. Ooh, maybe we should do a duet sometime. Yeah, there you go. So we just did an MC Universe episode. That was, yes. I guess I didn't do it. I edited it. But you and Jean and Alicia did an MCU episode for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You also talked about the Marvels movie coming out yep. and the Secret Invasion show. So it That's had correct. a lot of great content. I was enjoying it. And again, yeah. I don't even really watch this stuff. Uh, and also, just keep in mind, if you're watching the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I'm going to be showing up on MC Universe. I'm going to be inserting myself into that conversation uh, because I actually like those those movies, the Guardians movies. And uh, we're going to be talking about that the week of May 7th. Yeah, we're actually going to have a little Lorehounds assemble. Uh, Jean, uh, Alicia, and you and I are all going to get together and uh, give our reactions to the movie. I think we'll do a non-spoiler intro section with just our general takes, and then we'll get into some of the deeper lore 
And uh, Alicia had prepared a death pool to uh, see who's not going to make it out. And we'll uh, recap that as well. So that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to seeing that movie next week. Very cool. We've also got a bunch of weekly shows going. We're doing a lot of quick podcasts, although this one wasn't so quick. We're doing Ted Lasso, as you know, because you're here. We're doing. We, we owed Barry. it to him, given the yes, delay. Yes, there <laughs> so. was a delay. You were traveling last week. I was traveling this week. It's been yeah. a, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we've also got Barry season four going. Uh, where we haven't started it yet, but we're about to, and we're going to jump in halfway through the season just to talk about that because that's going really well. That, you love that, that show too. I think it's one of your I love favorite show. shows. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be in good. your top three. I bet. We'll see. We'll see. We'll You'll see. Have to tune in for the, the Christmas. Yeah, uh, the Christmas second breakfast. Uh, White House Plumbers is starting this week, and we're going to be covering that in short form as well. And don't forget that on. Saturday, May 6th, we are going to be doing a live watch at 8 p.m. of the original Star Wars movie, the 1977 Star Wars movie, in that version, in the unedited version, before George Lucas Han decided shot to... first. <laughs> yeah, where Han shot first. If you don't know what that means, come along and we'll discuss. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I was doing some testing last night on the Discord to try and get that to, to work. If you haven't joined the Discord, there's a link in the show notes. Join us over there. We're going to have a special channel set up where we can all watch it together. John and I are not going to be on camera while we're watching it, but we'll be in the chat so we can all be chatting while we're, we're watching. And I think we'll do like a, uh, an intro where we're you know doing some you know maybe half an hour or so of, of prep conversation. Got a really interesting comment from somebody too on the on the uh, on the uh, Patreon who said that they're trying to catch up. I'm just calling that message up now. Sarah said that she's been listening to all the podcasts, which are amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Um, and she's having trouble catching up on all of the lingo and the themes, and wanted to keep up with everything. They just finished Bad Batch and Visions. Starting Clone Wars too, so this person's like fully invested. Wow! But they need some more context, and so we're going to try to start to weave that in. So I think at the beginning of uh, uh, before we actually start to watch the movie, we'll talk for a little bit about some context stuff, and then we'll watch the movie, and then maybe chat about it a little bit afterwards. So that's going to be eight p.m. Saturday, May sixth, eight p.m. Eastern time. Apologies, and uh, that'll be in our Discord channel. Yep. Very cool. I'm looking forward to that. So, David, it's been a long one, but a good one. Ooh, yes. Looking forward to the next episode, and Thank I will you, see you next week. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies, Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all. 
all month and beyond.